stand in the presence of the Lord, me with you, would you? If you just stand with me in the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> we had the chance to look in the scriptures together last week concerning the keys of the kingdom of God. And we're going to continue to look at that this morning and to focus us in on what the Holy Spirit wants to do among us and through us this morning. Heavenly Father, as we stand in your presence right now, we pray that you would find us a people through whom you are able to work in all your freshness and in all your fullness. For we thank you that you are ever living, ever flowing, ever working, ever fresh. And we thank you that what you want to do among us and through us today and in the days to come is even greater than we could dare to ask or imagine. So we yield to you this morning, Lord Jesus. We yield ourselves to you. We surrender our hearts and minds to you and say, however you want to work and whatever you want to do, we are your people, available for your purpose. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Please would you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. What I'm going to do is read to you a passage of scripture from Matthew 16 for the benefit of those who weren't with us last week, explain briefly what we looked at and for those of us who were here last week um, to remind us again. And then we're going to go further on into the word of God to see how specifically God wants us to use the keys of his kingdom. And one of the encouraging things for me this morning is that the testimonies that we've already heard today are examples of God, God's people using the keys of his kingdom. So you're already doing the work. So verse 13 of Matthew 16 says that when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responded, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven." And we see from this scripture, we see clearly from the word of God, that for us as Christians, everything begins with a revelation of who Jesus is. We haven't come to an earthly conclusion or a, a, a theological or intellectual conclusion about who God is. We've had a revelation from God himself that Jesus is the son of the living God. And nothing can change that in our hearts. It's not something we think today and doubt tomorrow. It's as clear and plain as your face in the mirror. We know that Jesus is the Son of the living God. He is the first in our lives. He's first in terms of our faith. He's first in terms of our devotion. He's first in terms of our affection and our attitude and our time because we've come to realize that there is no one greater, no one more precious, no one more powerful than Jesus Christ. We make no apology for the fact that we love Jesus. We worship Jesus. We pray in his name and we act in his power for we live from beginning to the end of our days simply to glorify him. 
We're not here to promote a cause. We're not here to promote a church. We're here to proclaim the King of kings and Lord of lords. And whenever we proclaim and demonstrate his kingdom, his kingdom comes on earth. And his kingdom community, which is the church, will always be formed. We love Jesus. And for those of us who've walked with him for a long time, we love him more today than we ever have, don't we? It's not a love that grows cold with age. It's not a love that grows distant with time. But the more we go on with our precious Lord and Savior, the more we love him. You might have just arrived in this city. Maybe you've come here to start a new job or start a new uh, university course or you've just moved to visit family or friends. But you're here today because the Lord is drawing you ever closer to himself because he has a plan and purpose for your life and it begins with him wanting to reveal himself to you in a new and fresh way. Because as Peter confessed, you are the Christ, Jesus could confess, and you are Peter. So the moment we have a revelation of who Jesus is, we realize who we are. All the things that had confused Simon for his whole life, all the things that hadn't quite added up with his experiences, all, all the things inside his heart that he'd never dared to share with anybody. The moment Jesus says, and you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, this fisherman from Galilee stood up tall and knew, for this reason I was born and no other. And my friends, this morning, as you have a revelation of Jesus, Jesus will make it absolutely clear to you who you are and what he's called you to do. And every day you'll get up and know it doesn't matter whether it's working in a school, working in a restaurant, working in a kitchen, working in the home, traveling the world or never leaving your hometown. This is what I was born to do and I will do it all unto him because he and he alone will be glorified. And Jesus makes a commitment, a radical and definite commitment saying, I will build my church And he wasn't talking about a physical building. He wasn't talking about an organization with a charity number. He wasn't talking about a group of people who get together every now and then but don't really know one another. He was talking about a people through whom he would dwell and move and bring to be a glorious house, a family, a body, a temple. So that the world would know that through this people, Jesus Christ is real. And he has guaranteed by his word and his power that he will build his church. The gates of Hades cannot prevail against it. The son of the living God will defeat once and forever the enemy that is death. And his church will rule and reign forever. James, that's some big talk. Well, we serve a big God. (laughs) But this eternal, awesome God, this one whose purpose and plan is fixed throughout all generations, this one who is committed to building his church, says to us, And I will give to you. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. This one, whose purpose is certain, whose destiny is steadfast, has decided in his wisdom and his grace that the way in which I'm going to advance my kingdom in this world is through my people. He could have done it by himself. But he loves to involve his people in his purposes. If you're alive and breathing today, it's because God has a purpose for you to achieve. And that purpose is part of the glory of his house and the extension of his kingdom. There are no passengers in the kingdom of God. There are no backseat Christians in this church. We are all on board to extend the rule and reign of Jesus where we live and where we work and where we study. James, that's some big talk. Yes, but we serve a big God. And so Jesus says in Matthew 16, verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth 
shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. And last week we saw that the issue for us in our hearts and minds right now is this. Are we willing to be the people who will do the work God wants us to do? Because there is no shortage of belief on God's side. He really doesn't doubt you. He really believes you can do the work. He really believes you can be a representation of him where you live and work and study. He really believes in you. We do this from time to time in this church. It's not a gimmick, but just turn to the person next to you and say with confidence and faith, God believes in you. Now, here we go. This is the real test. Are you ready? Again, we're not playing games. This isn't a gimmick. Turn to that person again and say these words. And God believes in me. So, truth, why do we ask you to do that kind of thing? Is it just to fill time so I can have a drink of water? No, it's because there is a power in confession. And when you make a confession, you are releasing something of eternal truth into your world. So that as you confess boldly, God believes in me and God believes in you, you are writing your destiny out with the words of your lips. Because he doesn't just believe in you in this building. But everywhere you go and whatever situation you find yourself in, you have got what it takes to meet that situation in a godly way. So I've been thinking this week about um, what does it mean? What are these keys to the kingdom? What does it mean that Jesus says that we can bind on earth and loose? Bind and loose. What does that mean? So I've been thinking about this. And um, it's clearly you know some of the answers already because you're doing the work already as we heard from testimonies this morning as I'll explain. But when you bind something, you tie it up. Very simply. You tie it up. You restrict its movement. You stop it moving around. Paul, the apostle, was told one day, people are going to come and bind you hand and foot, and they're going to take you off as a prisoner. They are going to stop his freedom of movement, and he won't be able to move around as he wants to anymore. When we bind things on earth, we're simply saying, we don't see this in heaven, therefore we're going to stop it on the earth. There's no sickness in heaven, we're going to stop that right now. And when we lose something, we set it free. So you're looking and thinking, Lord, in, in this person before me is sick, but in heaven, there's health for them. So we bind up this sickness and we loose to them your health. And Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Now this is important. I want us to really get this uh, clearly. God never takes a negative away and leaves you in neutral. He's a, he's a restorer. He always takes away the negative and puts something into you that, was, that is better than was there before. So we want to go on record here this morning and say that you cannot be a Christian and a sinner. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You're a saint. You're a holy one. You do not have any indwelling sin. Because once and for all, Jesus dealt with sin on the cross. And when you came into the kingdom, he canceled your sin and he gave you his righteousness. 
He took away something filthy and disgusting and awful, and instead he put in its place his very own nature and life. So that walking into your school tomorrow morning, walking into your office tomorrow morning, walking into university tomorrow morning is someone who as, is as he is in this present world. It's a privilege for them to have you in their presence. But as I was listening to the testimonies this morning, the Holy Spirit took me to a scripture in Matthew chapter 18. So just over the page. Uh, I have read more than one page of my Bible this week, I promise. (laughs) But we heard some testimonies this morning that so excited me because they were all examples of the kingdom of God coming on earth. Just want to pick up three in particular. T shared a testimony about he and his son being out on the streets of Cardiff yesterday, giving chocolate, giving away water as a means to reach people for the gospel. And they met a man and T was able to share the gospel with him. It was an example of two people working together to advance the kingdom of God. You think, well, it's just a father and a son. Father and son is the basic unit of working together. That's what we see in the Godhead, don't we? The father and the son love to work together. And so as T is there with his son yesterday, they're working together to advance the gospel. We also heard a testimony from John and Chris Way that they'd been married for 50 years. And I thought, here's another example of people coming together to work together to advance the gospel. And we heard an amazing testimony that involved not one, not two, but three ladies, Steph, Tina, and Deborah, who... Hearing a need in a school, Tina had a word from God, Deborah prayed a prayer, and the three of them in agreement saw something bound on earth and something loosed. A child that was due to be without a family because godly women stood in the gap now has a permanent home. Matthew chapter 18 Verse 15 says, If your brother sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he won't listen, take one or two more with you, so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. If he pays no attention to them, tell the church. But if he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like an unbeliever and a tax collector to you. I assure you, Whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. Again, I assure you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. And Jesus says, first of all, It's important as the church that you see yourselves as brothers. That the church is made up of people who are equal with one another in God's sight. The same price was was paid for us all. Jesus did not have to pay more for me than he did for you. And Jesus wants his church to enjoy the same unity of relationship that he and the Father and the Spirit always enjoy. So he says, if something goes wrong in one of your relationships, here's how to put it back together. It's not to go to your brother and give him what for. It's to go and win him. My goal is to win him. There's no amplified version that says, tell 16 people before you go and see your brother. 
And if people didn't do that, a lot of our work as leaders would, would be saved straight away in the church. <laughs> but it simply says this, if you're going to go and win your brother because I want you to enjoy right relationship with your brother just as you enjoy right relationship with me and I enjoy right relationship with the Father. Now, why is this? Is this because Jesus just wants us all to get along, be a nice, big, happy family? Well, yes, that is part of it. But Jesus also understands that there is a great power, not only in unity, but in agreement. And when Jesus looks from heaven and sees his children agreeing with one another concerning his purpose, and when they come together as one man agreeing together and praying up to him, he cannot resist saying to the Father, Father, they're agreeing about what we want to do. We've got to do it. And the Father says, I can't wait to do it. And they do it. You see, there is something so precious about unity and brotherhood and agreement that the enemy will do anything he can to try and destroy it. But we are not going to let him, are we? And so Jesus says here, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they pray for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. In other words, we who live on earth can touch the heart of the Father in heaven and see this earth transformed. No plan of man that begins its origins on earth will ever be able to change the world. That's why every politician in every generation ultimately disappoints the people who vote for him. Because all their ideas are man-made. The only things that are going to change this world from the good begin in heaven. Because Jesus taught us to pray, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We always begin with heaven and then we see it happen on earth. But only the people of God know what's going on in heaven and so we're the only ones who can release it on the earth. Do you see how important you are to the purpose of God? You see why it's such a privilege for your boss to have you working in his office? <laughs> so Jesus says, if two of you will agree on any matter, when you pray together, my Father will do it for you. Now this word agree is where we get our word symphony from. It means people coming together, voices coming together, and singing in harmony. How many of you know what harmony is? Would you like a demonstration? Kez and Amy, would you come and help me? I want you to show you this morning what your agreement sounds like to the God of heaven. Sing, well, first of all, <laughs> we're going to show you what, what, a, what music sounds like without harmony, without symphony, without agreement. Just one sound. And then we're going to add some harmony in. Thank you. It's nice, isn't it? Sounds good. Some of us wish we could just sing in tune, don't we? <laughs> And you know, when you sing to the Father like that, when you're one voice to him, he loves to hear it. But there is a multiplying factor to our agreement. Not merely an additional factor, a multiplying factor to our agreement that the Father can't resist. 
Wasn't that beautiful? Should we give them a round of applause? Why have I asked them to do that? Because I want you to see that you don't have to be identical Christians to agree with one another. You don't have to find someone in the natural with the same voice as you to agree. But when people sing in harmony together, they add a layer. They add a layer of beauty, a layer of texture to sound that is more attractive to the human ear. And as you and I come together and agree concerning God's purpose on earth, the father looks down and he says, there are my children singing in harmony. And it is a delight to hear. Let me give you some examples and then we're going to do some harmonizing in the spirit. Don't worry. Last year, my wife started to pray for an old friend of hers from university that she hadn't seen for a long time. She'd heard that this university friend had walked away from the Lord. She was praying for her for a month or so when she bumped into this friend's grandparents. She said to them, I've been praying for your granddaughter. And they said, we've been praying for our granddaughter as well. In fact, there are lots of people all around the country praying for our granddaughter. And my wife said, well, I believe she's going to come back to the Lord soon. And the grandfather said, I believe that too. Let's agree. Let's agree that she'll come back soon. So they stood, I think they were in a car park, and they shook hands and they said, I agree. We agree together. This is what's going to happen. They prayed and they agreed. The father heard the harmony. And he looked down. And a week later, my wife had a phone call from this uni friend and this uni friend's sister. And they said, we're in Cardiff for one day. Can we come and see you? So the friend came to visit them. They had a great day. Uh, uh, and the, the lady went on her way. And then uh, three weeks later, she phoned my wife again and said, I'm in Cardiff for another appointment. Can I come and see you? And my wife said to me, I, I really don't know how I'm going to talk to you about the Lord, but I really want an opportunity today to talk to you about the Lord. Well, this friend walks into the house. And the moment she walked in, she starts to talk about the Lord. Starts to talk about the fact that she needs to get her life right with the Lord. And my wife said to her, well, you need to make a decision. So the lady drove from our house. She went home. The next day, she took herself out onto the beach on her own. And she rededicated her life to the Lord. Were my wife and her grandparents the only people who prayed? No, of course they weren't. Were they the only people who touched the throne of heaven? Probably not. But there was a moment when people in this time-space world touch the God of eternity with their prayer and their agreement. And the father looked down and said, here are some people binding something on earth and loosing something on earth, and I can't resist. One of the things we're going to pray and agree for this morning are that all our children will walk with the Lord. I am being tenacious in my prayers right now that all children, whether they are grown up or small, who were born into this house, will walk with the Lord. Why? Because it's a covenant right according to the word. Let me tell you another one. Very briefly, a friend of ours last year, maybe the year before, was graduating from university. He was training to be an actor. And um, God had told him that before he graduated, he would have his first job. And that it would be an acting job. Not that it would be a McDonald's or Burger King, but he would, be, he would have an acting job. So uh, the week before he came to graduation, he met with me and another friend of ours, and we were just taking some time to pray together. It's good to take time to pray together. And um, that, that's normal in the Christian life, that Christians meet together to pray. 
Amen. <laughs> it's okay. It's not like, it's just, it's a normal Christian activity to pray, isn't it? Yeah? Good. I was thinking, gosh, what a strange man I am that I pray. <laughs> okay? It's a normal Christian activity that people meet together. It's just, it's normal. You might be sat around uh, having a cup of coffee and a need arises and you just pray. You don't need to have a, a meeting or a Facebook group or a flyer. You can just touch the God of heaven where you are. So we were sitting having a cup of coffee and this friend of ours says, I'm going for an audition today. I'd like this job. And I'd say, well, I'd like you to have this job. And our other friend said, I'd like you to have this job as well. And I said, well, let's agree. So we all agreed. We all prayed. He went for the audition. Guess what happened? He got the job. You see, he'd had a word from God, which he didn't tell us about, by the way. We only found this afterwards that God had promised him this job. But we said, this is the will of God. He's brought you here with a purpose. Therefore, I hear what you are saying, and I agree with you. It might seem impossible, but I'm willing to agree with you. And our other friend said, I'm willing to agree with you too. And as we, we pray together, and the, the God of heaven looked down into this time-space world and saw three of his children agreeing with the matter in line with his will, and he says, I can't resist giving it to them. And there and then it was done. One of the things that we're going to agree and pray for this morning too is that everyone in this fellowship would have productive employment. Because God wants all his people to prosper and to be a blessing. Look at Matthew chapter 18 verse 19 again. If two of you agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. So if the enemy can't prevent us from disagreeing with one another, watch out that he doesn't try to stop you from meeting with one another. You see, if we don't meet together, if we don't gather together, then we can't fulfill this scripture. Because Jesus says, when two or three gather together in my name, I am there among them. The primary reason I want to meet with other believers is because I want to meet with him. Him in you and him through you. So we must watch that in these coming days as we seek to advance his kingdom together. Let's be ruthless and relentless not to allow anybody to miss out. So maybe you look around the room and you think, do you know what, there's someone from our life group and they're not here this morning. I'm just going to check to see how they are. Not in a suspicious way, not in a legalistic or negative way, but very simply this way. I'm looking out for one who belongs to my family. And if there's an issue in their life where they couldn't get here, maybe they were sick, maybe they were lost on the bus or something, and you can bring the kingdom of God into that situation, you'll do everything you can to bring it, won't you? Because the dominating factor, the most important factor of the people of God is that God is present among his people. There are other people meeting in this city over this weekend. They're coming into auditoriums like this. They're listening to people speak, or they're watching people perform, or they're hearing music played, or all kinds of different things are going on, but it's not the church. It might be a cabaret, it might be a social club, it might be a concert. But we come together not merely to hear a preacher, not merely to bring money. We come together to meet with one another, because when we meet together, He is present. And all we really want is Him. So I've mentioned two things that we're going to stand and agree on this morning. 
before we do that, somebody here who is waiting for a report from a doctor? Is there somebody here this morning who's waiting for a report from a doctor? There's a hand at the back. And there's a hand here. My apologies if I can't see all of you. Without wanting to embarrass you, just for my help, would you just stand for me for just one moment, just so I can see you, and then we're just going to do something. If you're here this morning and you're waiting for a report from the doctor, as we were worshipping, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, said there were people here this morning waiting for a report from the doctor, and the Lord says to you, the results are going to be better than you think. Now, body, listen to this. When believers agree concerning a matter on earth, faith meets faith, and that faith is multiplied. So for those of you who've stood, receive the word. But those of you who heard it from the congregation and faith met faith in your heart, just go and stand with that person, just go quickly, and tell them, I agree. Just go and agree with them. Now, I read to you from Matthew 18 that the Bible says that the church is a brotherhood. It's a family. If you're, it's, a, it's a brotherhood. We're family. Okay? Get used to me. I'm going to be around a long time. <laughs> okay? <laughs> See? My brother. Yeah? We're, going to be, we're going to enjoy his rule and reign together forever, aren't we? Yeah? Now, I don't know about you. I mean, I have a family with very small children, so lots of embarrassing things happen in our family, uh, which I won't share because my children will grow up one day and hear my sermons. <laughs> but, you know, they're really not that phased because they're family. And we're not here to embarrass anybody here this morning. We're not here to shame anybody. But we are here to stand together as a family. If you are promoted, I rejoice. And if you suffer, I suffer. So without wanting to embarrass anybody this morning or put anybody to shame, as I shared with you about um, children coming back to the Lord, if you're here this morning and you have a loved one who is not walking with the Lord as they should, but you believe the time has come, you believe the time has come for them to start that journey home. If you believe that, we will agree with you. We will meet your faith with our faith. And we will stand with you if you can't get to that place yet. But if that's you this morning, again, please would you just stand to your feet. If you know that God is on the case of one of your children, one of your family members, one of your relatives, you just stand to your feet. This is not shame, folks. This is the family working together. Now, folks, look around. And where your heart meets faith with faith, go to someone standing and agree with them that their family will all walk with the Lord. Great, I'll call them when I really finish, yeah? Okay? Okay? How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity.
you're in need of work today, I believe the Lord wants you to have prosperous and successful work. Would you stand to your feet if that's you? I need work. Again, this is not shame. We have been in this place. I've been in the place where I've needed work. Other leaders in the church have been in this place where we've needed, needed work. It's not shameful because the Lord is willing to provide. Okay? Now, we're not getting into habits and we're not getting into routine. But again, folks, as you look around and you see someone, you think, my faith is meeting their faith. My faith is going to multiply their faith. Go and agree with them. Now, those are the two that the Holy Spirit put on my heart. Were there two or there three? We did two, didn't we? We did three? Good. Well done for paying attention. <laughs> okay. There are many others. As you talk over coffee and over cake and over tea throughout the rest of the morning, there are going to be more needs that arise. He will supply all our needs. Whether you're waiting for a husband or a wife, the Lord is more than capable. Whether you wait, yeah. It's true. It's true. Okay. He, do you know what he would? And he's got very good taste. <laughs> he's got a very good track record. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Okay. If you're waiting to have a child, it's not difficult for the Lord. If you're waiting for a house to sell or a house to purchase, it's not too difficult for the Lord. Right. If you're facing opposition in your workplace or if you're being bullied in your school, listen to me carefully. They are being foolish, getting involved in God's people. And we agree that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Now, I find that a funny verse because I would prefer them not to form the weapon. You ever thought about that? Like the, the, it says in Deuteronomy, you know, your enemies will come at you from one way and flee from you seven. I'd be like, listen, I'd rather them just not come at all. <laughs> but don't be afraid of people who oppose you because they're going to flee from you seven different directions. They might have, they, you, there might be a bullet with your name on it, but it's not going to come anywhere near you. <laughs> Do you understand? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Hallelujah. Those of you starting university, we're expecting you to succeed in every area because you're going to be a living demonstration of what it means to be the Word made flesh. Don't accept the lie that you have to be poor until you graduate. But your, my God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Those of you who have been sharing the gospel faithfully in your neighborhood, the breakthrough is just on the way because this building is going to be full of people. Worshipping King Jesus, who bowed the knee to him. We're going to have to get here earlier and earlier just to get a seat. But we won't mind, <laughs> because the place will be filled with the presence of God. Stand to your feet, will you please? Just going to pray. Lift your hands to the God of heaven. Lord, I want to thank you this morning for a congregation of people who are earth-changing, earth-shattering, dominion-taking people. I want to thank you this morning for a group of people who look at impossible situations and see a God who can do the impossible. I want to thank you this morning for people that you brought together with a purpose and a plan, and that plan cannot be thwarted. 
We want to thank you this morning for people that you say are the head and not the tail. Now, Lord, we pray your great and permanent blessing upon all your children. Let everything they do this week prosper in their hands so that you and you alone may be glorified. We bring every child to you in this church, Lord Jesus. Thank you for every child that's been taught your word right now upstairs. And we pray for them that they would have angels watching over them. That they would prosper and succeed in their schools. And that you'd raise up a generation of young people who demonstrate your life and power in a way this city's never known before. Keep everyone in this fellowship this week healthy, Lord Jesus. Healthy in spirit, healthy in soul, healthy in body. Let everyone sleep peacefully and never ever be disturbed by their dreams. Let every need in this body be met this week, Lord Jesus. And as we gather together in your name in homes across the city, let us know your manifest, tangible, overwhelming presence. For we agree, Lord Jesus, that you have brought us here into this city for such a time as this. And we agree today that you are able to do far more than you ever, we could ever ask or imagine, according to the power at work within us. So this morning we give you glory and we give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. now let's give the Lord a shout of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah.